Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Happy New Year. Delighted to be joined here in Camden, of all places, with Miss North London. North London. North London. With Mr. Callis Allen. First of all, Happy New Year. How was your New Year and Christmas? Amazing. Like every New Year. No? no, actually very quiet. I'm not really a New Year's guy, you know. It's uh, so many parties over the year and then you get the New Year's and it's sort of, uh, you get everyone out in it. You know, you get the amateurs out and, uh, you know, going out's a professional thing. Because what people would perceive to be... Yeah, build up and, you know, it's all for that moment and it's like, oh, is it 12 o'clock yet? Is it fucking, you know, so no, 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 that's not my cup of tea. Parties, boom, you know, in your face and... Have a good time, just when you don't expect it. You know, those are the best nights. But you know what people would perceive to be like a standard Calisal and New Year's party, you know, yeah. for it, like Insta versus reality. 50 chicks, 100 bottles of champagne, a big hot tub. Yeah, that's the one. You know? No, <laughs> I spent it with my son. <laughs> so no, I, was, uh, I was in bed by uh, 12.05. But people don't realise you're very family orientated as well. And I suppose, listen, you have a night out like anyone else, but Got things like that. Tackle. And hide, I think is the expression. <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I have two sides, you know. I have the, the family side uh, with my son and then a uh, uh, very normal life. And then, of, of course, the boxing side, which is uh, on the road, on the road, on the go, on the go. Out, out, as you call it. Out, out, as we say in Essex. Did you go out, out New Year's? Did you go out, out New Year's? Or? I had a few random nights, which we were just obviously discussing off camera, but I had a few good nights and... Just t- done the family thing. You're lucky my phone was rolling in my pocket. That'll be going up later. That's YouTube. all right. You put it up. That's Full permission. Cal TV, YouTube. Check it out later on today. Going up the premiere of Coogan Cassius, Uncensored. All right. Chill out, mate. Honestly. <laughs> Kala, um, if you kind of to reflect on 2019, um, what would you say kind of was... A couple of your highlights, maybe your lowest points of the year. What? Do you want to give me a couple of highlights? Well, I've got a couple of highlights straight away. I've got a couple of highlights. Well, a couple of highlights were Taylor Progress and Inui Donaire. You know, uh, we had a cracking end to the year. You know, we had a tough, tough start to the year. Um, You know, we had uh, a lot of things, issues to solve and and, and things. We, We came through it. We did it, you know, what don't, don't break you makes you stronger, I always believe. And, uh, had, uh, had some, 
roller coaster times, but uh, at the end of the day, we said what we would do. We did what we said we would do, and uh, and I think we delivered at least two of the two of the best fights of the year. You know, if, I mean, the New Eden era seems to be the consensual number one fight of the year, and uh, I think Taylor Progress can't be far behind it. Yeah, I mean, if we look at 2019 across boxing in general, it's safe to say that. Progre Taylor and Anoue and Donaire were two of the best fights, not just of 2019, but of kind of recent years. That's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it, they're, they're very unique fights in their own right. I mean, uh, the Taylor Progress fight for me was at a technically such a high level. Uh, a brutal fight, but at such a high level. Um, and Anoue Donaire was also obviously that very, very high level. But let's say... It, in addition to what happened with Taylor Progress, there was a lot of mistakes the fighters made, which made it even more exciting. When I say mistakes, I mean forced mistakes, you know. Uh, you won't find Don Aaron and Inouye making too many mistakes, but they forced those on each other. And you had that seesaw battle. Um, and you had potentially a little bit more drama. Not in the result. The result was clearer than Taylor Progress. But, uh, but the fact that, you know, one went down, the other was close to going down and it went back and forth and, 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 uh, and uh, you know, the fact that before the fight, let's all be honest, yeah, everyone got well in that fight was what round would Anui do it in? Would he do it within that? Will he win the Ali trophy? Would he be the best in the weight class within, what is it, six minutes of, in three fights, you know? So it was like a second, you know, I think the bookies were taking bets on the second, you know, so all credit to Don Air to, to roll back the clock, which I've said, I said all through the season, I said, you know, I remember the first fight up in, uh, yeah, up in Glasgow against Burnett. Um, before the fight, I had calls from lots and lots of people. Um, you know, I had Joe Gallagher pushing me on, on Butler because he heard that he was overweight. Could he come in as a sub? We had him as a sub. No one knew. But when he came on that weight, on that scale, and he came bang on weight, and he was, looked good bang on weight, just felt that there was something in that. He, he was out to prove something and he did that in Tokyo. You know, he's, got, he's still got a good future in the sport and uh, what, you know, it was deserved fight of the year. Mm. If not one of the fights of the decade. You know, I saw a lot of different talks about sort of uh, one, one maggot, I think it was Boxing News, had Klitschko, Joshua as a fight. It was one of the most entertaining fights of the decade. Was it at that level? For me, not. You know, it was a great fight, Klitschko-Joshua, no doubt. It was a massive night for UK boxing. Um, but it was, it was more of a Hollywood uh, production almost, you know. It was, uh, in terms of boxing skills, I think Inouye Donaire, for me, at that level, uh, did it. But I can understand why people went with Joshua Klitschko as well. It was, it was a very entertaining fight. Um, for me, the most pivotal part of the decade because you always talk about heavyweight boxing, was the night in Germany where, where Fury beat Klitschko. That was, a, that was a, a turning point where everything in the heavyweight division changed that night. It wasn't Wembley with Joshua Klitschko. That was after that. Joshua, Klitschko would never have fought Joshua uh, had he lost at Wembley under those circumstances. Forget it. He would have fought, Joshua would have had to go to, uh, go to Germany. Uh, I don't say it would be a different result, you never know, but, uh, but it was, certainly would have been a different setup and surrounding and, and production of the whole thing. So I think from that point of view, um, that night with Tyson in Germany was, was the night that changed heavyweight boxing. So if you look back on a decade, you look at that night that changed things. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't the greatest fight, it was a great performance. You know, it was Klitschko 
chasing shadows for 12 rounds. But it was the night from a result that changed heavyweight boxing. And that's why you see mainstream sports fans, they'll always get more involved in, of course, they get involved in big pay-per-view nights and things. But in, in general, you know, the likes of, uh, uh, you know, Dylan White, Derek Chisora in the UK, people coming up, Hergovic, uh, you look at uh, in Europe, of course. Uh, but all the guys coming through, they can all give credit to that night because that's really, you know, sparked up the whole division again. And uh, so you've got a lot of, lot of turning points in that, in that last, in the last 10 years. Interesting times, you know. Uh, for us, it was, was an interesting 10 years because we sort of went full circle. I started the, the century with uh, the Super Six, with Froch, Kessler, Taylor, Abraham, Ward, Durrell, and uh, in, a, in a great tournament, a very long-lasting one, and sort of ended the decade with the full-blown version of the second season of the World Boxing Super Series. So I did a lot of other shows, of course, and I worked with some great athletes uh, under the Team Southern banner, but it was, was very interesting to see, for, from my point of view, when I reflected back on a decade, to see how the tournament stuff that I so believe in had gone full circle. It was, it was, uh, was uh, a, nice, a nice end to the decade. What would you say was kind of the biggest disappointment, not necessarily of 2019, but in that kind of decade? What would you kind of pinpoint as a low point in your kind of say, boxing career? But you know what I mean. Um, I, let me start with from a sports point of view. Uh, is the massive increase in, uh, in uh, let's say, I'm not say the use of drugs, but the use of uh, the, the, the findings of people using drugs in the sport. Now, we started under Team Salen in the in the early 2000s. Uh, we were the first promoter in the world to use in-training tests. It was enforced on us. I'll be honest, it wasn't something that we came up with. It was enforced on us uh, by our TV company at the time. Um, but you see now the, the way that the testing has developed. I don't think that there's that many people using more PEDs, but I think that if you look at the amount of people being caught with PEDs, you see that the testing's improved. I think that actually probably less people are using PEDs, but more are getting caught. Because if you're using PEDs in this day and age, you're not only, in my opinion, committing attempted murder, in certain cases, but you're also fucking an absolute mug because you know you're going to get caught. You know, you can use, you know, they, they use cycling, they use all this, that and the other. They might not get caught on the first one, but they will get caught in the end. And that's, uh, that's something that I think that, 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 that's, the, let's say, the, the low point of the decade for me uh, in, in terms of the sport. From a personal point of view, um, I'd say that the decade, let's say from a Team Salem point of view, that, that in Germany there's so few world champions at the moment. There are no world champions at the moment. We've got Vincent Feigenmott's uh, boxing Caleb plant uh, February 15th in uh, Nashville, uh, which is a big night for German boxing. Uh, but let's say from, uh, from my point of view, I think, oh, it's a low point. I don't know. We had to, you know, in boxing you've got so many tough times that you've got to get through and, uh, you know, you, you've got to battle to survive and, and, and uh, you know, that's all cool, you know. Still standing. How would you compare how easy or, say easy, want of a better word, but compare the promoting from the start of the decade compared to the end of it, how difficult it's become, 
working with people. Obviously, there's new avenues that have been kind of explored with new TV companies, new channels uh, coming to fruition towards kind of the back end of the decade. But how's that kind of developed and changed in that 10-year period for you? Oh, oh, 10 years is a long time to go through one answer, bloody hell. Uh, massively. You know, look at the start of the decade. Um, promoting was very much still, you know, obviously there was the internet, but social media was nowhere near what it is now. You know, if you look at uh, you know, Twitter, uh, the Instagrams as well, but... Boxing is still very much a Twitter. I still feel it much more of a Twitter sport than Instagram. But I know Instagram is, is the thing of the future and all that. But uh, but it seems to, it, let's say, you wouldn't need to. You, your communication paths are totally different in 2020. Um, but working with other promoters ain't changed much for me. You know, um, I'd say you know get, we worked with in the last decade with every single promoter out there of note. So I don't think that there's. Uh, I don't think that there's a, I don't think that there's a there's a boxing promoter out there um, who we haven't worked with to make fights, and I think that's 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 a key to the sport as well, you know. Um, if I look at uh, the last ten years, work with everyone, but at the same time, to make the big fights, you have to work together. You see it now with Wilder Fury, you know, you've got um, Bob Arum and, and, and Heyman working together. Frank Warren's also in the mix there with on the Fury side, MTK of course. So you've got, you know, I think with, with MTK, the biggest management firm in the world, you've got uh, Warren, obviously one of the big UK promoters, you've got the biggest promoter in the US with, with, uh, with Aram, or, uh, one of the biggest promoters in the world. Uh, and you've got obviously Heyman with this huge stable. So you've got all those things coming together. And that's, that's when you see that when you really need to make a fight, you, you have to work together. And I, I don't think there's too much love lost uh, in that little triangle. I think when you look at what you're talking about and then look at kind of the concept of the World Boxing Super Series where you kind of take all that, that politics out of it and it's like you almost you put in kind of the best fighters or the majority, shall we say, of the best fighters in the weights that you've picked and it's almost like these fights will happen. You win, these fights will happen. And I think if we look at all the finals that we've had, it's safe to say that we've had kind of the best versus the best in every one of the finals that you've done. That's safe to say, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, obviously there will always be arguments about who should go in and who shouldn't go in. But I always believe that when we do a weight, you know that that winner, the person who raises the Muhammad Ali trophy, is the one to beat in the weight class. It's not about the belts, it's not about anything else. It's about who wins that tournament and they go on to be the man to beat in the weight class. And that's all we're trying to do. Just make it clear. Make it you know, it's, and it's great to have world title fights outside the tournament and, you know, boxing goes on as normal, of course, you know. But it's also nice occasionally to have a clarity, to have a, you know, to have a, a clear-the-air sort of fight where you know, OK, right. So that's the best cruiserweight, that's the best bantamweight, that's the best super lightweight, the super best super middleweight. Well, we, we've answered those questions. You know, there's so many times there's press conferences about, well, after this fight, I'm going to fight that one. So stop talking about you're going to fight after that fight. We're selling this fight at the moment, you know, and I've did years and years and years of that. Of, you know, whenever you put on a great fight, worst, the most disheartening thing as a promoter is when a journalist pops up, it is a great fight. So who do you expect the fighter to go on, the winner to go on to fight? And I was like, hold on, mate. Do you know what this show is costing? Yeah. 
I said, let's just, let's just have this one, you know? Before you jump to the next bird, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's enjoy what we have here. And I think what we've done with a, with a, with a World Boxing Super Series, I was baffled, even in the, in the, in the, at the Taylor Progress final, that people talk about, oh, the winner's going to go on the fight. Not after the fight, before the fight. So, so you know, that part, I get journalism, and I get, you know, why such questions are asked. But if you've got a fight on, let them two men get that fight on, or those two fit women get that fight on first. Do the fight, and then let's talk about it. You can always speculate. But the thing is, with the World Boxing Super Series, you know, you know who's next. Yeah, or one of the two is next. So you don't need to. You sort of take the sting out of that question. So you you have that storyline, and that's why I've always believed in tournaments. You you see, like the bantamweights, they started quite. You know, they didn't catch fire straight away. People weren't going, oh, the bantamweights. By the time of the final, everyone was like, oh, the bantamweights. We we did nine million viewers, not in Japan, in Tokyo, in in the city of Tokyo, with nine million viewers. the Sky numbers at lunchtime, massive, great numbers on Sky at lunchtime on a, what was it, on a Thursday? Yeah, <laughs> Thursday lunch. Now I think pubs, pub owners, you all need to buy me a pint because uh, I think the pubs were around watching Inui Donair, you know, a, a Filipino against a Japanese, a bantamweight, right? Season one, cruiserweights. I've been promoting cruiserweights for years and years and years, Marco Hawk, Hernandez, uh, Arslan, you name them. But ultimately, they took the unfashionable cruiserweights and suddenly made them sexy. Yeah? Made them sexy. And, you know, Uzik obviously went on to, to fight Bellew in a big pay-per-view event over here. Um, went off and signed a big a US uh, TV deal uh, or the zone deal. So, you know, I, 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 hats off to the man, you know. He, he took it he didn't have to go in the Super Series. He could have sat there and done voluntary defences of his, of his WBI World Championship on the sidelines and watched the other three champs box. He was the last champ to sign. But he wanted to see that the other three had signed before he went in. Mm. You know? This tells you a lot about uh, Alexander Ruzic, you know? Credit to him. Since the World Boxing Series started in what year was it? 2007. Well, Started the, the research phase starting 2014, uh, we were 213, you know, and uh, the first the draw was 217. 217. Okay, so since the first two, draw got, uh, Monte Carlo. since 217, the your TV situation has been a little bit here and there, and yeah, yeah. So has that been kind of frustrating that you haven't kind of just pinned it down to one network? Obviously, there was a few fights that you've had to stream yourself via the internet, which is obviously great for people because everyone has that access to watch it, which was brilliant. But was it frustrating that you couldn't get like um, a consistent uh, TV broadcaster f- just to run the whole thing from the start? Yeah, that, that wasn't out of interest, though. It was the model has always been different. And people said to me, I, didn't do this. Well, I, I said, I'm looking after the sports division. Yeah, but you're the promoter. I said, no, I'm not, not. It's not a classic promoter role. I'm not out there selling the TV. There's a different. There's, there's a shareholding structure. It's a different company. You know, it's the World Boxing Super Series. They have uh, a lot of different shareholders um, with a very, very strong background. It's a major shareholder uh, involved who is very much behind the project. Who comes out of the entertainment industry. Uh, so they said, no, we're not just going to go off and do the classic. You know. 
sell one here, sell one there, sell one there. Because if you're growing a brand and you're growing and it's in a very different way to a promoter, you know, promoter grows a brand for a fight, you know? Of course they try to build their brand into it, but when you go off and you announce Fury Wilder, that's your brand. It's your brand until February 26th or 25th or 22nd, whenever it is. Um, great fight. It's a brand. That's your brand until that date. Then it moves on. Will it be Wilder Fury 3? Will it be uh, Fury uh, Joshua? You know, that will be the next brand. So it's a bit different on this one here. So it was a case of looking at what broadcaster will also support us throughout the thing and not just take, oh, this a UK, so we just want that UK fire. No, 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 no. You take the whole lot and you give us a platform for the whole lot because the, and you've seen it now. People have now understood what the brand stands for. It stands for great fights. You know, it's, it's not, I mean, there's no rocket science behind it. It's just great fights. Um, and that will continue. So that for, from a brand point of view now, it's at, a, at an all-time high after the two finals, uh, announced the Cruiserweights later this week, and uh, which will be a great final as well. And then, you know, we're working on season three now. So, but in terms of the broadcasting, we were very lucky at the time to pick up and, and uh, with the zone they showed faith in us and, and they've you know we've uh, they've reaped the rewards from these great fights don't forget on the zone they had i think five of the fights of the year last year they had a great year yeah and two of those fights were, were world boxing super series fights so you know i think it was a great year for the zone um sporting content amazing so it was great that but that was that was always the strategy to try and find a partner like the zone in the US, which really believed in the brand. I remember talking to HBO at the time when they were still in boxing, and they were like, okay, yeah, well, we'll take that semi final. We won't show the final, but we'll take the other two finals and not their semi final. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, we haven't got dates for that. I said, well, you know, it's 20 was 2018 at the time. I said, just, well, at least put them on your internet page or do something with them. You know, but I need a platform for them. It can't be that we show a fight and it disappears, but that's a great fight. I said, no, you're not getting it. You just don't understand it. So there was a ticket to be, to be signed there. You know? There was money to be cashed in on there, but we would have sold off the brand. You know, imagine watching a fight and said, oh, amazing. So uh, the final, because that's the storyline. So I just watched, uh, I don't know, Taylor Branchick. Oh, but I can't watch the final. Why can't I watch the final? Oh, well, you know, now the, 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 the head of sports at HBO didn't want to buy it, you know. So no, that's not what we're selling. So of course, then we looked at ways, and we went on. We had so stuff on IFL, the biggest platform in boxing, you know. So you know, and 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 and, and it, by the way, is uh, not to to blow you, your trumpet too much today. Uh, it, it's it's true. It's the day and age of, you know. I did a podcast recently. I was talking about the first time me and you had a had a sit down. I remember the first time me and you had a sit down. Frotch Kessler won. At the O2. I remember coming over and I was like, I thought, is this a wind up? You know, I thought we were, remember we were standing there and I'm like, I've never done one of these before, right? Because it it, you were the first. Yeah, and we were standing there and thinking, like, what does he think this is? Like his, his own private film studio, right? And now it's like, you know, but that's, so you want to talk, we'll go back to a couple of questions ago. What's changed in promoting? You've changed, Koo, <laughs> you've changed, you know? You're a bit fatter back in the day as well. You lost well, some weight. I, know, I was a lot, lot fatter back then. I remember because I remember when I interviewed uh, you. I think it's all the Hollywood diet, isn't it? You know, you uh, you uh, moving up in the world, Hollywood diets. You know, Prada jackets today, off camera, eh? From Turkey, mate. From Turkey. <laughs> um, 
I remember I was expecting you before I heard you speak to be have like a like a like German this. accent. Yeah, like this, yeah, yeah. The cool we can do it like this way as well. Yeah, no problem. And then you come out going, "Oh, right, yeah, my name's Kenneth Allen, and I'm from North London, and I'm right, geezer. All right, what's going on, Triggle? You imagine going to school in North London, right? And uh, and you know when there's whenever there's these these uh, sort of racism debates, yeah. I went to school in North London in the uh, in the eighties. Right, uh, and actually, uh, late 80s, early 90s, I'm not going to give my age away too much. But back in the day, right, it was such a mix, you know, in the school, it's still a mix, but it was constant joking back and forth, you know, I'm going to even use the words because I'll probably get, you know, accused of everyone being this, that, and the other. But we used to have such a great, everyone just was with everyone, you know, it was, uh, and you'd laugh and you'd joke. Now imagine having a name, right? By the way, in a also predominantly Jewish area of North London, Sourland, right? In a in a North London school, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, it was it was it was the way I learned to fight. <laughs> there was there was a, you know, fuck, I remember the first day I'm in like registry, you know. It? So say everyone hands up and talk a bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm uh Kelly Sourland, uh Mum lives in London. My dad's originally from Germany. Bang! Got a kick right behind me. He said, "Yeah, that's for my grandfather from the Holocaust." Oh, oh really? You, really? I'm telling you. Wow. I'm telling you. But it was tongue in cheek, you know. It was like, and then you know, he ended up being one of my best friends, right? So you know, my my, my best mate was a Nigerian. Well, one was Jewish, and the other one was uh, was a was a was a was a pop North Londoner. But it was all different, you know. It was all. Different things, and, and you know, I think that's, uh, that's. I don't know how we got on this subject now, but we're talking about Sourland, and you know, when you said the first time you saw me. So that was my upbringing. That was North London at the time. Changed a lot, of course. It's, it's changed a lot, but I do now remember obviously Froch Kessler won. Yeah, that was. was the first thing yeah. You remember, it was uh, standing out, remember <laughs> it was like, it was in that sort of lounge up there, and it's like, it's a sky lounge. So it felt very TV like, and there's you popping up with your with your camera. It wasn't as posh as this one back in the day. And I remember it was just an all black microphone. I think I don't remember if you had IFL on there at the time. Can, can, I, just throw, the can I just throw this in there? I think you. I think this was actually we're talking about Froch Kessler two. No. Uh, yeah, what two? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. I think one. Yeah, sorry. Uh, two early in the day for me. Yeah, it was two. It was two, and it was at, it was at the O2. And I just remember these white chairs, and I thought, has he got his own studio here? You know, and I'm looking at him thinking, this is... Beautiful. And then he started, he started off asking off-the-cuff questions. I think, it's like a candy camera. You know, someone set this up, right? He's asking about all sorts, and I'm like, oh, OK, fair enough. But, you know, it's, it's a great, you have a great style of interviewing because you relax, you know? And I talk far too much shit with you, so uh, always got to be careful what I say. Never, never, never. If you were to map out an ideal 2020 for you, yeah. starting from now until obviously the end of the year, what, what's a perfect 2020 for, for yourself, for the series? Map it out for me, what, what ideally you'd like. Yeah, I mean, you know, we set the bar pretty high last year, so I don't know, just do the same again, really. I'm not going to be... Uh, I'm not going to try and even raise that bar. It's, it's impossible to raise. So I think, you know, uh, let's... Have a great cruiserweight final. Let's get them new weight classes announced. Um, probably just be after the cruiserweight final. Um, looking exactly what we're doing there as well. The calendar's going to change. 
production's going to change. We're going to revamp that. We've had a couple of years of these lights. We want to look at some new stuff there now. And, of course, most importantly, looking at the weight classes. And, you know, it's, there's some fun weights to do. You know, there's some fun weights to do. And people who oh, heavyweight. No, no, no. Said, yeah, leave the heavyweights. They're doing their thing at the moment. They're, 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 those fights are getting put on that should be put on. You know, we just saw, uh, you know, obviously the, the Joshua Ruiz fight. That was a fight that needed to be done. We're now seeing Wilder Fury 2. That needs to be done. Mm. And then I've got a good feeling that, that there will be some sort of uh, a Joshua uh, fight with, with the winner of Wilder Fury later in the year, you know? Um, Just going back to that you said about, I know you've always been asked, you know, are you going to do a heavyweight one? Yeah. But kind of the belts have for the last couple of years been tied up by two people yeah. so without the belts is the value of the heavyweight one for the world boxing series still kind of relevant yeah I, I, you know i think that it depending on the weight class i think the belts for us are of course important to have world champions in but it's not just the belts it's about the names of the weight class yeah. you know um it's about you know if it, Four weeks ago, five weeks ago, Joshua wasn't a world champion. Would you put him in a world box? <laughs> of course he would. <laughs> you know, he'd be, yeah, yeah. be right up there. So it's it's not. Or Tyson Fury on, on paper, I don't think he has a belt. He's a lineal champ. Uh, ring, I think ring is he a ring champ, ring champ. Um, which for me is always a good. I indicator. think the ring magazine is actually on the line for yeah. the fight with Wilder. He's yeah, the lin, has the lineal yeah. status. But I do, I do, I do think a lot about the ring belt because it's a non-commercial belt. It's it's the Rocky belt. It's it's the one that. They're very strict on, on giving that out, and, and that's uh, it's a belt that we've been lucky to have in the finals with us, uh, or in all the finals so far, so, it's, so that's great. But come back to what you're saying is, is I don't, not necessarily would you need to have all the world champions in, um, but at the same time, I think you could do it with all the world champions. I think you get everyone to work together, and I think uh, the money involved would make business sense. So people say, oh, where's the money going to come from? Yeah, well, no, the, money, the money could make, make sense because that would be huge, you know? But the timing is, is off at the moment. You've got to look. You know, when, it, when I look at the weights, it's not just about, oh, that's a great weight. But you've got to look also, you know, who, who is fighting when? You know, are, those, are there fights already being made that would go into a tournament, you know? So is, there, is it a case of... How much time do we have to make that tournament? And you only have a very small window to make those tournaments, you know? So, yeah, heavyweights for sure. 2020, most likely not. Just a little recap, actually. You weren't in um, Saudi Arabia yourself. Your brother and your father and that were in Saudi Arabia. What, what did you make of Joshua's performance? Um, job done, got his belts back. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't read too much into that. It was, uh, you know, I know his words. Point. He was. He was very, very good at what he did. Um, he wasn't the Joshua that people like to see. He wasn't the Joshua that is a great puncher and, and jumps on people when he gets them and uh, is exciting from that point because he's also, let's say, big punchers often expose themselves to big punches. You know, and and uh, I was very impressed with. The fact that he had gone away and put together a game plan, quite a simple game plan, but you still have to... That, that game plan has to stay in place for 12 rounds. It can't stay in place for two rounds. He kept that in place, so hats off to McCracken. Uh, great work, and then hats off to, to AJ. Uh, because 
you know, I, I don't read into all this rubbish about, you know, wow, oh, I didn't train and, you know, I was eating too many tacos and drinking too many Coronas. Bollocks, mate, you know? Bollocks, you know? I just, yeah, he put on extra weight. Yeah, his fault. I, I, that, Anthony had to go out there and do a performance, end of, you know? And, uh, you know, uh, Ruiz, you know, if he, if he did clown around like that, what a mug, you know? Because I don't, I don't see an easy way for him back, you know, to be quite honest. People have seen what he does now, his fast hands. Uh, he made a lot of money. It's, you know, he made a lot of money in Saudi. You know, as Marvin Agler said, it's very difficult to go jogging in your silk pyjamas at 5.30am. And I don't see that man anywhere near a Marvin Agler. So for Ruiz now and his uh, 55 Rolls Royces that he's bought in his big ranch in uh, New Mexico, uh, I don't think life's going to get a lot easier. I would guess that he's probably walking around today at about 27 stone. So if you think that he went off and put himself in a dark room like Joshua did after the Madison Square Garden fight and, and worked like a fighter, I don't think Ruiz is doing that. It's just, but I don't know the guy, I don't know the man. I said he still provided us with an absolute sporting shock and highlight of last year great performance but um, was it a one hit wonder we'll see coming back to you um, the new weight classes are we going to see any weight classes that haven't been already done I like the way you put that Ooh. Ooh, slippery uh, no I mean look the super mids have opened up a bit again yeah um, so I'm talking about sort of answering your question back to front. Um, uh, I think the cruisers, obviously, we did them because it went up and left a lot of our open questions. Uh, don't think we'll see them. Uh, but uh, let's say on the lighter weights, I've talked a lot about the flyers, the super flyers. I see some good fights being made at the moment there as well. So that timing once again. Uh, I like the middleweights. I like the middleweights. The middleweights have opened up with... Um, Obviously, with the uh, with the whole situation on uh, you know Canelo and Triple G, who for me has been like a, one of those urban urban myths that they you know are the two middleweight champs. Middleweights? They ain't been middleweights in a, in a couple of years. You know, I mean they're nowhere near middleweight. You know, uh, I heard recently a rumor that Canelo was going to go off to cruiserweight. You know, then we would be interested in doing a World Boxing Super Series at cruiserweight again, but. Um, no, it's, you know, I think the middleweights are wide open. I think, uh, you know, the welt was great, but it's, there's too much politics in the welt. was you know, far too much politics, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, the females. I've talked about the females already, you know. Some great fighters in some interesting places, and, and it's come on leaps and bounds, the females. And, you know, from the days of when you sort of always see one who was so much better than the other one, and you're just like, oh my god, this is shocking, right? This is, oh, it's like watching beating up a, you know, a poor, poor lady on the street almost. You know, it was, it was, you had this primed athlete against this washed-up opponent. That sort of, that sort of stopped, doesn't it? You know, you see a lot more toe-to-toes, great fights, evening match fights. So it's an interesting one as well. In the day and age of, uh, of sport inequality, I think it's, you know, it would be wrong for us not to look at it. So basically, the ones you've possibly hinted at uh, are a possibility, <laughs> Keller. <laughs> sitting there, crossing it off in his head. Yeah. Uh, no, I think flies, super flies, middleweights, uh, super mids, females. You know, those are those are definitely Options. the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, light heavy is interesting, but they're all, it's all it's quite political. You know, look at those as well, of course. Yeah, mm. of 
Kaos. The situation regarding Joshua at the moment is that he has two mandatories in two people that you've obviously worked with in Kubrat Pulev and also Alexander Usek. Yeah. We're waiting to kind of hear which mandatories technically first because that's a bit unclear at the moment. It looks like possibly that Joshua will fight Pulev and then Usek possibly fights Jizora and then that fight later on. But what do you think of that little mix there? You know, uh, actually, it's, it's, it, people say it's unclear. It's not, it's not unclear. It's, uh, it's clear that it's the IBF first, according to the ABC rules, that the, which order it goes in. Um, it is Pulev next. Um, but Uzik also has a shot that has to happen by a certain date. So now, of course, they get in a situation because, you know, obviously, they had those two big fights last year, which took up the year, um, where he's, 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 he's behind on his mandatories. So, you know, uh, obviously, Uzik can't want the fight now, and, and the Pulev people want the fight now. Um, I think they'll end up doing Pulev first. Uh, and I think that U the Uzik fight should follow later in the year, I guess. you know. Um, I think if I'm brutally honest about it as well, I think that the Pulev fight will suit AJ better now from a sporting point of view. He's just come off, obviously. It wasn't a tough fight for him in the end, uh, in December at all. It was, you know, it was... It was I wouldn't say a training fight, but he, he got through that fight very comfortably. He won that fight very comfortably because of an amazing mindset of the way he implemented the tactics. You know? And um, so I think for him now to go and box uh, Uzik, another smaller man, is, uh, is, let's say, someone who's very, you know, very fast in moving. I think Pulev will suit him well because Pulev's a big guy. Uh, I've worked with him for years. In fact, we, we did this fight three years ago and then he got injured. Uh, and, um, you know, so I think, you know, Pulev for me is... If I, was, if I was picking a voluntary for AJ, Pulev would be very high on that list. Does it suit Usek as well? He's only had one fight against uh, Chaz Witherspoon at heavyweight to have another fight before fighting Joshua. Does that suit him as well? Even though that would be Jizora, uh possibly. Yeah. Normally, yeah. I think, just think Uzi's such a, you know, if you're looking at any talent, you, you'd want one or two fights to set in a weight class before you take on one of the big world champions. That's, that's fact. Uh, especially at heavyweight. But the lighter weight's a bit different. But um, you chop and change weights, you know, quite often. Um, but if you're moving up, you do take, you know, one or two settlers. I think the Witherspoon uh, was, was a very late replacement for Tyron Spong, so he didn't get out of it what he wanted to get out of it. You know, he had, a, let's say, a, a, a B performance. Um, not down to him. I mean, if you've got your opponent changes in the week, it makes things quite difficult. Uh, but he still, still looked good. Um, but he was clearly preparing for someone totally different. I think... So from that point of view, I think it will suit Uzik as well. But I, knowing Uzik, he, he's not there to piss around. Yeah? He wants the names and he wants them now. So uh, I don't think that he will quite see it that way, Coog. I think he'll be saying, I want Joshua now. Yeah? Um, but it's a, in heavyweight, it's, it's a waiting game at the moment as well. But look, Paul, Paul, Paul did him right, you know? I mean, you know, that is, that's a I mean, that is, for me... Uh, Horrendous, really. Yeah, and it, it's great that he cleared his name, and you know, I thought that was—it's weird, you know. We talked before about these PED things, and um, you know, 
if you look at how that story came about, it was, you know, it's like being accused of a crime on the street. I mean, guilty before you've actually had your verdict called out. It was bizarre, you know? So I don't know if there's going to be legal, legal repercussions on other, other organisations there, whatever it is, but if it was me and I was tainted with that, you know, it's, 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 at the end of the day, it's robbed him of a big night because he boxed on the undercard. He won't have learned much on that undercard, you know? Fight before that, he, he did, I think he sold out the O2, didn't he? He did the big numbers there. So he's, you know, on paper, he's, he's lost out on, on a fight because of this story. But his name tarnished. But, but yeah, the name is one thing. Boxing names are always tarnished. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm hearing you. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing No, totally. But if you want to go on really on, on, you know, you can talk about tarnishing names, you know, you know. Yes, absolutely. But also, if you if you're going to be ruthless about it, and I look at it, and I'm let's say his, his lawyers, and I look at it, I say, well, hold on, you know, he's supposed to box two, three, two and a half times a year, you know, as a, as a heavyweight, as a headliner, he's lost the date last year, hasn't he? You know, that, that's that's undeniable, you know. So from that point of view, it's that's feel for him because he's only got so many years. It's not like you know. When people say, oh, they're waiting out for a money fight. Well, you know why they're waiting for a money fight? Because they ain't got that many years. It's not like they're working through the ranks of a company. They're going to be CEO when they're uh, 55 and have the bonus paychecks then. They have that now. You know, and they, that's, got, that's got to last a lifetime, you know. And in certain cases, it can last many lifetimes. But in other cases, phew, one wrong investment here or there, you know, it's happened to the best of them. All right, Calla. Um, I just kind of... Well, yeah, I think so. We've had plenty of opportunity to is that red or top white? up. Is that, is that for... Because, I mean, the MTK colours are actually gold and black. Is this like an Arsenal thing? Let me, let me, let me ask you a question. What do you make of that Arsenal TV? Because I saw this big thing between um, Simon Jordan and uh, this Arsenal TV, which is also sort of an online portal filming big numbers, mainly with Tottenham fans like me who love looking at that. <laughs> I love it. I've got to admit, that is my... That's, I'm very sad, but that is that's one of my cracks of the weekend is when the Arsenal TV thing comes out. I'm not watching it at the moment, you're winning. But, uh, but, um, but is it, you know, what, what do you make of that old Arsenal TV thing? Do you think it's toxic? Do you think it's not toxic? Well, a little bit of trivia. So, Robin Lyle, who runs yeah, Arsenal yeah. Fan TV... Me and him have known each other for around 20 years. We used to own a nightclub together, me and Robin. And and Troops was the DJ? No, Troops wasn't the DJ. Troops was probably one around then. He's probably about 10. (laughs) But um, Robin used to help me do IFL TV right at the start. Robbie then asked me to do Arsenal Fan TV with him. IFL was kind of going a direction, so I decided not to. Stuck to boxing, and he's one done his thing, and yeah, the logos are a little bit similar as well, isn't it? I'll have to look at that next time. But you know what? He's a very clever guy. The one thing I would say is, I think his technique of interviewing is very good as well. I think, it's, it's, and it's very well produced. I just think that as a club, you need to, you can't have the same fellas on there every week. Although they're funny, like Tottenham fans love watching troops slag off Arsenal, throw away his season ticket, and do things like that, or burn it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you need to you need to talk to, to 
let's say not staged fans. I'm not saying they're staged, but but like the same crew. Yeah, yeah. You know, go out and grab, grab a funny fan off. You know, yeah. you get good interviews there, or, or put them together with one of the regulars. But sometimes it's about public demand, and you have to cater to public demand. Like yeah, people have been. You know, it's Tottenham. Let's be honest. And I can see where where the Arsenal fans have got the ump because. Ultimately, if you are constantly, and you know, Arsenal's having a terrible time at the moment, it's, it's really horrible to see. Um, terrible. But, uh, Kelly, can I say one thing? You're about four points ahead of us in the league, and we've had our worst season ever. Let's chill out here a minute. Well, you have the special one. <laughs> so, no. I would have taken Pochettino. I'm going to give Arteta a shot, obviously, like everyone else, but I would have taken I Pochettino. I would have done. I know you would have. In this day and age, you probably would have, you probably would have done it as well. Mm. I can't work out the Arteta thing. I know you, you beat Leeds last night. You're probably all dancing and singing today, but yeah, it's just, a, you know, I don't know. The man was the assistant to Pep Guardioli for a year, you know? I mean, it's a, it's a you know... It's, 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 give him a chance. I, I, absolutely. No, 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 nothing against the man. It's just it's a big leap of faith. <laughs> When you're in that position and you've got the likes of Ancelotti on the table, you've got the likes of uh, uh, Pochettino on the table, a couple of other ones as well we've mentioned, who've all got a pedigree. Surely, surely after you've taken in this Turkish guy who did absolutely bugger all, right, you then go and take a guy who's been in management for a year, you know, it's bizarre. Yeah? And believe me, if Freddie had got three or four wins, Freddie Lundberg would have been the manager. So it's like, you know, I, I get where, where troops and the co are coming from, but at the end of the day, it's bizarre. It is bizarre what's going on there. And, by the way, half <laughs> and all the way. All right, listen, we've still got another five months. Let's talk in, let's talk in May. Yeah, let's do that. Kala, listen, thank you very much for your time on this cold morning in Camden. I, I might call it cold morning in Camden with Kala. Camden Town. Do you know what? How fast can the market from? Actually, I can actually see can the market. Yeah. The little. Smell it. Smell it. <laughs> it's, it's different back to back in the day, that's for sure. Uh, no doubt you'll keep us posted in your kind of coy way. Do you know what I did there? Coy. Come on, you. Yeah. Um, and we'll catch up as the year kind of goes, and you can keep us updated all the way through. Always, always a pleasure, Cook. Always a pleasure. Just to finish on, what, what would be your advice for anyone watching this video, just in life, for what to do in 2020 with your life, if you were to, just to tell people? I'd say uh, anything... Don't let things get you. Take everything in your stride, even when you're panicking. Remember there's someone worse off in that moment. And what, if it don't break you, it will make you stronger. I like that. I like that. I feel like you want to say something else, but I feel like you've also ended at the same time. As well. <laughs> Kala, thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com.
Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.